What is up, girlfriend? Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Turk, and I am so dang pumped that you are here. This is a space that is all about real, from the heart, for the soul chats designed to help other women like me fearlessly pursue their dreams, build habits that serve them, and chase after becoming the women that the Lord called them to be. I'm going to get really vulnerable with all my soul sisters out there as I share tangible tools that will help women build the lives that they've dreamed of for the glory of God. We are going to have a whole lot of fun, keep it super real, share in some really great words and fellowship, and take action together that will make us really freaking proud of the women that we are and the women that we are becoming. Buckle up, because here we go. We are doing the dang thing. Hey, Soul Sister, welcome back. I am so excited for this week's episode for so many different reasons. Not only are we going to talk about one of my favorite topics ever, but this week is our first interview with one of my favorite humans in the world, Anna Grace Snyder. So Anna Grace, welcome. I am so dang pumped to have you here today. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So um, for those of uh, those people out there that don't know us, um, <laughs> which if you don't know us, you should follow us on Instagram because I think we're pretty cool. We're pretty fun. And we talk a lot about our friendship there. But let's tell them a little bit about like how we know each other. All right. Um, so, well, for one, we apparently were Facebook friends like four years before we actually met and <laughs> we still haven't really figured out how that happened. Yep. Um, we assume it's because we were going to the same school, like same college and starting at the same time. But um, four years later, my senior year, um, I had signed a lease at an apartment that didn't end up being finished until about midway through the year. If you went to App State, you know probably exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but I ended up living in a hotel for about six months. And one of the like, while it was kind of cool living sweet life of Zach and Cody style for six months, one of the cons of it was that I didn't have, um, really like laundry available. So luckily I have some really great friends that (laughs) allowed me to do laundry at their apartments. I like hopped around to different friends doing that. But one of my friends that, um, when I went to do laundry at her apartment, she was actually roommates with Lindsay. So that was how we ended up meeting for the first time. And then we, um, basically didn't really talk again. We just kind of were social media friends. That was about it for about Mm -hmm. probably a year more. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I started getting involved with coaching that Lindsay has talked about on previous episodes. And I was sharing about that on social media and, uh, Lindsay reached out to me from there. And honestly, the rest is history from that. Yep. The rest is so history. That is so true. Anna Grace, is really why I got started on my health and fitness journey, which then like, if you guys have heard me talk about it in the first two episodes, my health and fitness journey is what really started my self growth journey, which is really what got me here. So basically it's very fitting that Anna Grace is the first guest on the Hazel sister podcast. Um, and on this episode, because if it weren't for her, like I truly would not be here right now. So shout out to you, Anna Grace. (laughs) Yeah. So I am so excited um, to talk with you today um, and just going to dive right in. So uh, before we really get into today's topic um, and setting the stage for that and having our conversation, um, I'm going to ask you the 
question of the hour, which is what piece of advice would you go back and share with yourself four years ago? Oh, so this is such a hard question. Um, partly because I feel like one of those, when I think about, you know, what would I tell myself four years ago? I truly, I wouldn't change a thing that I've done in the past Mm -hmm. four years, because I know that everything I've done has led me to where I am now and the person that I've become now. But if I did have to answer that question, (laughs) um, (laughs) I would probably say I have two things. And one research the Enneagram sooner. You're going to find out about this in probably about like a year and a half and <laughs> you're going to become obsessed with it. And it's going to change your entire perspective on life. Um, but two, the biggest thing would be like kind of going along the lines of that too, but to not focus so much on what you feel like your vision for your life is supposed to be because one, it's probably not like, it's not going to end up how you think it's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be 10 times better. Yes. But you're going to spend, like, don't spend so much energy focusing on where your life, like creating the life that it's going to, that's going to happen down the line. Right. When you have so much good happening in this moment, like that's something that I've been working on so much over the past, even just year. And it has been absolutely life-changing of figuring out like what my vision for my life is, or honestly, God's vision for my life is supposed to be and actually really being able to tune into that instead of looking outwardly into what I felt like my vision was like that vision for my life was supposed to be based on what I was seeing from other people. Yeah, no, I love that. That is so good because yeah, it's, we need to, it's, it's great to think about and dream about like where life could go and what the possibilities are. But when you get like, so wrapped up in like, this is what has to happen, then you kind of lose joy in the journey and like joy in the present moment. Um, and I know that, I mean, knowing you and I, like, I know that that's something that we've actually both kind of struggled with some is like having joy in the journey. Um, but there's so much joy to be found in each moment and each step. And so really like focusing in on that, I, I know that's like been game changer for me. So I love that. Um, so you already kind of mentioned it, but, um, cause it was the first piece of part of the advice that you wanted to give yourself, um, was related to the Enneagram. So obviously we need to just kind of like dive in and set the, set the stage for what I already know is going to be an amazing conversation, um, actually involving the Enneagram. So today we're going to be talking about the Enneagram, um, and the importance of understanding our Enneagram type and how we can use the Enneagram to serve and propel ourselves on our self growth journey. And I'm so excited to talk about it because like, first off, I love the Enneagram, but if there's anyone that loves the Enneagram more than me, it is you Anna Grace. And honestly, <laughs> like, I feel like I know a good bit, but you know, way more than me and you have had a really cool Enneagram journey. So, so pumped to talk about it. Um, so before we just kind of like really dive into that, um, you guys know, I love definitions, right. Which we've already talked about that. And so I think it's cool to, um, kind of like define the Enneagram. So I found a couple of different definitions that I'm going to kind of combine to just kind of outline what the Enneagram is, um, and what the Enneagram test is for people that don't really know or fully understand it. So, um, the Enneagram is one of the most powerful and insightful tools for understanding ourselves and others. At its core, the Enneagram helps us to see ourselves at a deeper, more objective level and can be invaluable um, in assistance on our path to self-knowledge. The purpose of the Enneagram is not to put you in a box, um, but to help you identify both the strengths and limitations of your personality type in terms of habits involving your thoughts, feelings, 
emotions and to give you guidance um, on how you may develop more capacity beyond it. Um, and there are nine different Enneagram types. Um, and so basically how it works is you take a test or an assessment. Um, and that's really kind of like where you start your Enneagram journey. Um, and you take an assessment and it will give you a type. And we're going to kind of talk more about the assessment and the types and all the things um, in our conversation, but really kind of like honing in on how the Enneagram can, you know, play a part in our self-growth journey. So I want to kick it off with like, Anna Grace, why do you love the Enneagram? Um, well, at a basic level, I was a psychology major in college, so it definitely speaks to a lot of the things that I'm really passionate about when it comes to the way that humans think, um, mm-hmm. in the way that just human behavior in general and how that can serve us and how that can help make us better humans to, whether it's to, um, in relationships, whether it's in career, whether it's in just everyday life, um, in the way that we pursue God, um, literally with anything in your life, it, that comes into play. So what I love about the Enneagram itself is the fact that, like you said, it doesn't put you in a box. Um, a lot of people will just take the Enneagram test, um, because it is trendy right now. Um, it's trendy to talk about it's trendy to learn about. Um, but a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll either just look at the personality, like characteristics, um, Mm -hmm. And if you're, I'm, I'm literally doing air quotes right now, but, <laughs> uh, but personality characteristics of that type, or they'll just take one blanket test, um, and just take that at face value. That's probably the most detrimental thing that you can do when it comes to the Enneagram is just taking it at face value, because this is what there's why there's a major problem when it comes to like diagnoses with mental health too, uh, because a lot of times people can take a diagnosis or take their Enneagram number and just take that as their identity and not use it to their advantage. There's so many different levels to it. There's so many different perspectives you can take with it. And one of the things I've really loved about it is that, you know, you can see one of the things that the Enneagram talks about is that it can talk. It shows you what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are. And like when it talks about like your stress point, what number you go to in stress, I know like if I start so, well, first of all, I'm an Enneagram nine. So if I start going into a state of like moving into the negative side of the six, um, then I'm starting to be more anxious. I'm starting to like think worst case scenario, um, starting to just like freeze in a moment when I have like, I'm overwhelmed with things in life instead of like either feeling content or pursuing things. Um, so being able to recognize those things and like the fact that that's going on, that's really helped me to stop myself before I get into a really negative space before that fully happens. Because like, I have a really, like I have a history of anxiety, a history of depression. So, and not, I'm going to definitely put out that disclaimer that this is not a (laughs) cure for those things. It really has helped me to symptom, like with symptom management in the process. Yes. Um, Because you're able to recognize those things before they get worse. Yeah. Um, And in a similar respect, you know, if you know the Enneagram types of the people that you're with, like the people like your significant other of your friends, um, of just the people in your life, then you're able to better serve them and help them when they're in those stress points too. So like if my husband comes home and he's starting to exhibit the negative, like the stressed signs of his type, I know, okay, I need to make sure I'm there for him and showing him like his love languages in the way that he needs them and supporting him more today because he's in that stress state. And I want to help him get out of that. 
Yes. I love that so much. So I think that that's something that we need to kind of talk about because that's something that, um, in, in the hype of the Enneagram out there in the world, this is something that is not talked about. And it's that you don't just have an Enneagram number that is just your type, right? So, um, like Anna Grace said, she's a type nine, um, and I'm a type three. I'm not like, that is not the end of the story, right? You, we hear a lot about this, the concept of wings, which is like a number on either side, um, that also helps to identify, like I'm a three wing two. Um, but there's more to it than just that there's a, uh, a stress point and a heart point. So your stress point is a different number that you go to, um, that your emotions and feelings and thoughts kind of like shift in kind of the direction that they're going, they go to a different number. So like as a three, when I get stressed or life gets hard, I go to nine. Um, so yeah, th- there's like the, your stress point. Um, and then there is also your heart point, which is where you go, um, in when you're in like a healthy state. So for me, like when I'm in a very healthy state, when life is going so good and I am stress-free and the world is my oyster, then I go to a six. Um, and so really understanding that I think is a super important piece as well. And in the hype of the Enneagram world that we live in, that is not talked about. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that's super important. And I also love what you're talking about with saying um, how it can help you to serve the people around you. Um, yeah. So I, I love that so much. So um, you mentioned that you're an Enneagram nine, um, but you've actually had quite the journey with <laughs> with your Enneagram um, type and kind of like figuring out who you are um, and how that is like have, has helped you. So uh, let's talk a little bit. Tell me a little bit about your personal journey with the Enneagram. So this is probably one of the pieces of the Enneagram that I am most passionate about. Um, And that's to, you know, when you take the personality test or you take like the Enneagram test itself, uh, one of the ones that I really, really love is the the Truity test. It's Mm -hmm. a, so truity.com. And they have one where it shows you like the percentages you are of each number. So it's less of like, Hey, here's your number. And more of like, Hey, here's like how you tend to present like with a lot of these, cause you're probably going to relate to more than one number. Right. Um, so that's where it's really important to look at the number and look at the like core motivations, the core fears, the core beliefs of that number and really figure out which of those you actually really resonates with you and look right. into the different pieces of it. So I, for probably about a year and a half was dead set. No one could tell me otherwise I was an Enneagram too. Um, and that's because like, I really do have a heart for serving other people and for being there for other people. But once I started looking into it, I don't really honestly know what got me to look into it. Like, I mean, I have a like little Enneagram two guide. I have the <laughs> whole like book, the whole uh, road back to you book. I've done all the research on the two and like, it just, finally one day it just clicked that, wait, I don't think I'm a two. And from an outside perspective, if you don't really understand the value of the Enneagram, you might think like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. Like, why do you care so much? But if you don't know what your actual number is, then you can't actually grow in the ways that you are meant to do. Like it's harder to recognize those stress points. It's harder to, you know, pursue that heart point, um, and becoming stronger in that version of you because you don't recognize like who you really are. So 
um, a lot of what I had looked at with it was like the lines basically with that stress point, heart point, like I started realizing like, wait, I don't think I really resonate with that much of like the two's directions as I thought I did. Yes. Um, listen to a ton of different podcasts. There's amazing podcasts out there just specifically on the Enneagram that can really help you learn a lot more about this in detail. Um, but I listened to one on basically the core motivations, like how here's two like different scenarios. Here's how a two reacts to it. And like the internal, the way that they process it. And then here's a nine. And it started really hitting me like, oh shoot. Okay. I think <laughs> I'm actually a nine. And yep. once I did that, once that really hit me, it really started just like it put just kind of a name with how I was feeling in that moment. And it made me understand so much more about the circumstances I was going through, my mindset in those circumstances, why I was thinking the way that I was thinking and how I was approaching life at the time. And what would have been a good thing for a two ended up being like just the way that I was going about everyday life would have been healthy for a two, but not healthy for a nine. Ooh, that's so good. So like I was really pursuing, um, trying to be just like more, not just present in the moment, just like, but like really pursuing <sighs> slowing down yeah, in a sense. Um, and that's not necessarily a good thing for a nine. Cause that's the nines dead, you know, core sin mm-hmm. is sloth or complacency and, when I realized like, oh shoot, you know, a two, when they pursue that, that's a really good thing because they need to make sure that they're taking care of themselves because they're not very good at that. I'm great at advocating for my own self-care. I've, I've honestly, to some degree, always been great at that. Um, and I do take pride in that. So that's why, you know, I'm, I'm very intent on helping others learn how to do that. But knowing that real made me realize like, I'm maybe not. <laughs> yeah thinking I'm maybe not pursuing life the way that I need to as an individual. Yeah. I, I love that so much. And I think that that's another piece to the puzzle that is so not talked about, or it's just that people, we live in a world where like, we just take everything at face value um, and people don't do research. And so many people take their Enneagram number at face value and they don't do research. And there's so many things that you can really um, come to learn and understand about this um, personality type, this personality assessment that can really help you to serve yourself. Like you mentioned, um, the, the sloth. So that's like the, the piece that's, it's called the passion. Your passion is sloth. Um, let me pull up my Enneagram app on my phone here. And then, <laughs> cause there's, you have a passion and you have a fixation. So passion for a nine is a sloth. And then, um, your fixation for a nine is your indolescence. Is that how you say that word? I think that's how you say that word. Um, but yeah, there's like all, there's so many different pieces to the puzzle that can really help you to grow and, and understand yourself. And what I am so pumped to say is that because of Anna Grace, I, um, I have a very similar story with my type. Um, so it is so easy to take the Enneagram at face value. That's what I did. I take a test. I can take a test no matter how many times I do it. I could do it right now. And it would say that I'm a seven. And that's because I do exhibit a lot of seven characteristics. Like I am an extrovert. I like to make everything fun. Um, I like truly do like 
you know, I'm the, I will say that I will try anything once. Um, that's a big feat. That's like one of the like core sayings of a seven is that, you know, you'll want to try anything at least one time. Um, and that you kind of like view the world as you, you deny a lot of like feelings in a way. Um, and you like want to see the world as your happy place. Um, and you keep options open. I mean, so many pieces of the seven make sense for me. And, um, I haven't taken, what did you say? It's a true it. Is that what it was? Trudy? What? Uh, Trudy. Let me check and make sure I've got that right. Yeah. Because if you haven't taken an Enneagram test or honestly, even if you have, and you haven't taken this one, you really need to, because yeah, I would be so intrigued yeah, to truity. take it. Truity. Yeah. I want to take it. Cause I'm so intrigued to see like what my percentages are, but I'm a three through and through like, yeah. yes, seven. It, it makes a lot of sense. And that's the face value, but digging so much deeper, my lines and my, where my heart point goes, like I, I am such a loyalist. Um, and that's what the six is. I, I, when I'm in a good, healthy place, everything in my life just gets warmer. Um, I am like way more willing to not try to be in control of everything. Um, and there's like so many aspects of like my heart point that is right. And then especially my stress point. I think that, um, that was like the true, that was when I, I, I got into last year, I was in a really like stressed out place in life. Um, the world was just hard and I went so nine, <laughs> like I, so, uh, basically what that you get as a three, like when you go to your stress point of a nine, then it's a lot of like disengaging. You feel very worn out. You feel very burnout. And that was the feeling that I had, um, last year, but Anna grace was the one that made me see this because I was like <laughs> seven, 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 seven. And then one day she calls me and she's like, Hey, I'm not trying to tell you what you are. <laughs> she said, but I just want you to know, I listened to a podcast about an Enneagram three, and I just think you should do a little bit of research about it. And so I was like, okay, I trust you. You know me really well. And I went and I like researched it and I was like, oh man, like <laughs> I, this, this could be it. And then, like I said, when I went to my stress point last year, that was when I was like, oh, thousand percent, this is who I am. So, um, I love that Let so much. Put a disclaimer out there. Normally in normal situations, I would never talk, like tell someone <laughs> what their number is. Do not type your friends. <laughs> yes, that is a very important That's disclaimer. Very, and we, look, we talk like, about this all the time. <laughs> I'm glad that I learned more about this after we talked about it. Yes. <laughs> because otherwise I might not well, have told you. But like if you, because in essence what you're kind of doing, and the only reason I even felt comfortable was because we've had so many convert, like actual real life conversations about like, we are both very dedicated to helping each other grow. Yes. And we're both very open to hearing the like hearing what the other has to say about helping us in that regard. Yes. Um, and this is where it's really important to have friendships that also line up with your Enneagram properly um, <laughs> because no, seriously, because like nine, I'm an Enneagram nine, nine, when they're in a heart point, they go to a three Lindsay's mm -hmm. a three when she's in a heart, like when she's in a stress point, she goes to a nine. So I'm very clearly able to recognize what are those, like, when is that time that she's in stress? And sh I'm also able to look at her and see, okay, what does it look like to be that heart point of it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're able to really bounce off each other. But like I said, if you you're technically, when you're typing your friends, you are telling them like inherently telling them, Hey, I can tell what your core fear is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what your core desires are. So normally that is not a very, your friends, if they really understand the Enneagram, they might not be very happy with you if you <laughs> tell them that. That's so true. Um, 
Uh, wait, so basically, are you telling the world that we all need to find our friends based on our Enneagram type? Because that's basically what I just picked up on what you're saying there, Anna Grace. Not finding all of your friends based on that. But it is, <laughs> but it is very I'm mostly important. joking. <laughs> but in a sense, at the same time, like, you know, while, you know, have, you know, friends, be friends with whoever you end up being friends with, obviously, <laughs> and who you connect with. But it's also really important to make sure that you do, you know, they say like, you know, that you're the project of the five people that you surround yourself with. If you're mm-hmm. not surrounding yourself with people that are influencing you to grow, that's, then that's not a good thing either. And while, you know, reach it. every, you know, number is going to benefit you. Like if I surround myself with like all, like if all five of the people in my corner were sixes, that might not be a good thing for me. That yeah. might not be a healthy thing for me because that's where a nine goes in stress. So I might start taking on more of those characteristics. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> I was mostly joking, but that is a really good point. And honestly, I think that's one of the things that has made our friendship. Like it's, we have a really unique, beautiful friendship. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things that, um, attributes to that is that we do like, we are opposite, but and like balance each other out in terms of our Enneagram types so much. So I, <laughs> I was mostly joking, but that's honestly like not a bad point. And <laughs> like we were saying, I mean, you did not type me, right. You weren't like, Oh, right. Lindsay, you're a three. You were just like, Hey, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. But I think that there's a really good chance that this is something that it could be you and you just mm-hmm. need to read about it. And so I think that that's a really good place to come from in terms of like helping people learn about themselves. It's just saying like, I don't know for sure, like what goes on inside your head, <laughs> but I do know that you exhibit some of these things. And so maybe you should just read about it and do a lot of research because like we've talked about, basically you can't take this at face value. So, um, I love that so much. And so this is, we've kind of been talking about this a little bit, but what do you think is like the key thing that really understanding your Enneagram type does to serve you? Like what is the, like the key takeaway of just like really why it's so important to really, really understand your type and to just nail that down? Oh, see, there's so many different pieces of it. Yeah. Um, I would say honestly, because while it's really important to also, you know, to know where you go in stress, I think it's also really important to be able to know what, even just from like an outside perspective, technically speaking, because you're looking at a test and at, you know, either your phone or a piece of paper or whatever, you're looking at it where you're doing your research, like you're able to see what it looks like for you to become, I, I, I don't necessarily love the term like best version of yourself because, you know, we're always improving, Yeah, but what it looks like when you're pursuing the life that you were called to live, Mm. like what your true like personality is when you're, you know, you're, when you're your true self, Mm -hmm. like when you're passionate about life, you're passionate about whatever you're pursuing, like whatever, whenever you're living out the life that you were called to live, that's what it's probably going to look like. Yeah. And obviously, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, outliers and things with, with any psychological framework, but like you're able to, a lot of times when we're living day to day, it's really hard, you know, we we live, you know, in that average, that not average, but normal space Mm -hmm. in that normal space of your number. Or, you know, a lot of times, especially with everything that's happened over the past year, like a lot of times we tend to gravitate more towards that stress space, if anything, either just the the general space or the stress space, but it's really important to know what does it look like to actually pursue that life and to actually like, you know, if I really take the steps to 
for my individual number, like to become that person and to start working and working towards that progress of living out that purpose. Yes. What could that look like for me? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, um, kind of going off of what you said, uh, you know, a reason I think it's really important and how it helps you to serve yourself is it, it really helps you to like what we've a key point to this podcast and something that I really want to help people do is build habits that serve them. Well, how do you build habits that serve you? I can't just sit here and tell you, Hey, this is what you need to do. Like, this is how you build habits that serve you. No, I don't know what that looks like for you because I don't know about your life and I don't know about your personality, but you know, this is a really cool tool that can really increase some self-awareness if you use it to its capacity and you don't take it at that face value. Like you can really dive in and learn about like the core of who you are so that you can kind of really figure out, okay, what does it mean for me to serve myself? Like for me as a three, like the thing that it means for me to serve myself is you know, really focusing, like, it's kind of like my, uh, I talked about this, one of the most important things that I've learned these past four years. And like one of the pieces of advice that I said that I would tell myself is to focus more um, on who you are trying to become and less on what you're trying to achieve. So for me, like a really big piece to like serving myself as an Enneagram three is not to focus on checking boxes. Like that's a big characteristic of being an Enneagram three is like being goal oriented and being like box, but a box checker you know, type of goal oriented person. And so, you know, I've really been able to lean in to focus, you know, on actions and like, okay, what does the person that achieves the things that I want to achieve or that I feel that God has called me to like, what are the habits that that person exhibits and how can I implement those in my life? So that's what it means for me. What do you think that is for you? Like as a, I mean, obviously this isn't the, we don't know all the things about all the types. So we've learned a lot about, you know, each of our types. So for you as a nine, like, how do you, what, what are the habits that you've kind of implemented um, and that the Enneagram has helped you to learn that kind of like build habits that serve you? Well, this is where like, I think it's such a cool framework because hearing the way that like that you talk about the three and the things that are helping you, it's so interesting because it's the total opposite for me. Mm-hmm. Like if I, with a three, like if you see, you know, this big task list, you're like, okay, I got this. I can check all these <laughs> boxes. Like, you know, you're, you're just going to go like, you know, gung ho at it. And I'm like, oh, there's something like help yourself. Yeah. Or, Hey, uh, there's something that I did. That's not on that list. Let me write it down just so I can check the box. (laughs) But like, if I see that massive checklist of all these things to do, I just get like, absolutely like just decision fatigue immediately paralyzed. Yeah. Like I get like decision fatigue or analysis paralysis. That's what it is. Yes. But like, if I look at that, I mean, I just get immediate analysis paralysis. Like I start like decision I've realized over the past, like, couple of months decision fatigue is the biggest thing that that hits a nine interesting biggest thing um and so that really like everything I've done in my life I've just simplified everything like just like making sure you know I'm I've got like routines with and not necessarily like strict routines but like with the way that I do house chores with the way that I pursue you know anything on the side with coaching with other things with the way that I do like my full-time job like I work from a list but I I've gotten to where like, I really do. Um, and I actually have a fun little planner that's coming in the mail that, that associates with this, but, um, self-awareness, we love it. (laughs) Those kind of things you would think I'm a one because I I love a good planner, but focusing on what are just the top three things on my list? Like if nothing else gets done today, what three things need to do need, do I need to do to move the needle forward? Because I'm also a lot more likely to pick up like 
all right, what are these things on these lists that I can just get done real quick? Yeah. So I'll avoid the things that are, you know, what are those needle mover things that, you know, I really need to do, but that are going to be a lot harder. (laughs) Yeah. But just like, what are those like simple action, those like one or two action steps that I need to do to move the needle forward, to make progress on something, not focusing so much on getting it all done and just getting overwhelmed, but just making simple progress. Yeah. So that way you're not, um, you don't go into that paralysis state. Yeah. I I love that. It's so interesting how how different, I don't know, just but how this different is so we all much are. Proof of like that, you know, a lot of people, you know, on social media, you'll see like, Oh, sharing their morning routines, sharing like this or that. Like, it's so important to recognize, like you can do someone else's morning routine and it's going to do nothing for you. Um, yes. I've like. uh, been there, done that. <laughs> hey, remember that one period in time where we were both like, okay, we're going to hustle. We're going to reach some goals. <laughs> we're going to wake up at four 30 in the morning and be Amazing. And what did that do to me? Uh, not a great thing. Like I got so burnt out. out. Yes. And so, yeah, that's, that's a great example. Like literally y'all, I literally used to wake up at four 30 in the morning and I had this whole like list of things that I would do before I would then work out and then go to work and do my full-time job. And then I would come home and I was a shell of a human. (laughs) And it was just like, that was not serving me. Like how that has changed. Like all of these things that we had as a morning routine, like we had this specific thing. Like we have literally like what has not changed in the process of all this is we are both still just as passionate about having a morning. Oh routine yes. Honestly, in whatever that looks like for you. And that's hilarious. Cause it's like, if you're, if you spend so much time, do like do put something on your morning routine list for two weeks. And if at the end of those two weeks, you're like, okay, I don't think I'm really enjoying this. Yeah only do things in the morning you're going to love. Yes, that is so true. Like. <laughs> yeah. So while, so I think I, you know, I was waking up at four 30 in the morning and I was working my coaching business, Mm-mm. which that's great. But I'm I just was hearing the four 30. I'm like, Nope, Nope. Yeah, <laughs> it was great and all, but now I wake up, you know, I still like to get up early. Um, and, yeah. but what I do in the morning is all about myself. It is pouring into myself. And that is what brings me joy. That is what sets me up for a good day. You know, it brings me, it aligns me with God. It really sets my intentions for the day. Um, and reminds me, you know, that this life that I'm living, is not about myself, but like glorifying God. Um, and so like, that's, you know, the thing that has been game changer for me, but that's not that this, per, you know, that's not it for everyone. Some people, like I was in a, um, in a Bible study and we were talking about wildly different morning routines. Yeah. And that's great. Like I was in a Bible study and I was talking about how, like, it is so important for me to read the Bible in the morning. And this girl was like, that's great and all. But she said, if I tried to read the Bible in the morning, I would just like stare at the page. And she's like, exactly how I am. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, if there's gonna be any value in it, she's like, it needs to be like hours into the day because like, if not, then it's just something to do. And so, yeah, that's so cool. I love it so much. So, um, you know, we talked a good bit about kind of like self-care. Um, and I don't want to like, you know, re-ask a question that we've already kind of talked mm-hmm. about. But um, one of the last questions that I just kind of like prepared to, to talk to ask you and kind of t- talk through with you was how we can use the Enneagram to create a better self-care routine specifically. So we talked about how to like serve us. And we've talked a little bit about like morning routine. But um, when I think of Anna Grace Snyder, I think of self-care queen. So hit me what you got. <laughs> Which it makes me laugh because usually probably about a year ago, if, if someone had said like, Oh, self-care queen, I'm like, Oh no, that's like the girls that, you know, love the bubble baths and face masks and getting their <laughs> nails done. I'm like, I'm literally none of those things. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that like literally <laughs> none of it. Um, but I'm a really, really heavy advocate of self-care being like 
purely the focus of taking care of yourself. Like don't make it more complicated than that. Um, And part of that honestly comes back to the fact that I am an Enneagram nine and I thrive in simplicity, like in making sure that, you know, it's, it's not like overcomplicating it. We overcomplicate self-care because it's seen, it's been just glamorized. Like that's most of what we see. And really it can literally just be like a self-care thing for me is just taking the dog on a 10 minute walk and just getting some fresh air and during the day. Yeah. Figure out, like, I I have a list of, you know, we love our list, but of just things that just bring me joy. Yep. Like, just basic things. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. It does, like, sometimes it can be gratitude journaling. Sometimes it can be taking the dog on a walk, going for a run. Um, Sometimes it can just be, like, eating a cookie if that's what you need, y'all. Like, it's just whatever (laughs) it is, like, getting some ice cream. I mean, buying a coffee. Is I, that what you said? Buying a coffee. Yes. Coffee. That's, that's what I do. It's like, Oh, I need some, I need to do something for myself. I'm going to go buy a cup of coffee. Or, <laughs> like I do every know, day, but I, this one's very intentional or, you know, planning a girl's weekend. So, um, like <laughs> we're about to have on Friday and Saturday, stay tuned. Everybody. <laughs> um, but just figuring out what are those things that really, really bring you joy and just make you feel like yourself. Yep. Like truly like yourself. Like you're like, you leave that moment and you're like, all right, I needed that. I'm good. Like I'm good for the next little bit. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. Honestly, it's really important to have a, a major list of things that aren't complicated and that are really small and don't take a lot of time. Yeah. Because that's really good to have for those like moments when you just start feeling overwhelmed and you can just take, you know, five minutes out of your day. Like everybody has time for it. It's just that we overcomplicated it. Over-complicated. Yeah. No, that's so true. Um, so for me as a three wing two, like I'm very, like I have a tendency to neglect or ignore like my personal needs to take care of others. That's mm-hmm. a core, that's a core three thing. But then with the two being the helper, um, that's really something that's like, like amplified in my world is that I will, you know, be taking care of myself. But then the moment that, you know, somebody in my inner circle needs me, I'm there. Like, I don't even yeah. think twice about it. That's just like who I am. Um, and that, and I, I, I love people hard and that's just, again, who I am. But yeah, so I think for me, like understanding that piece of a three is why I, this question um, and is a question that I've asked myself a lot is how, you know, I can create a self-care routine in my life that is not what the world makes me think it is, which is, oh, I need to get my hair done. I need to get my nails done. I'm going to do a face mask, which like I love having my nails done and I love a good face mask. But day to day, it's being it's like doing something. I look to do something for myself every day. It's like, what am I going to do today to serve myself? And yes, I, I work out like there's like my you know, daily routine of things that I do with like working out and, you know, my, what I do in the morning and the time that I spend with Jesus and like all of that, but that's, it's a little bit different. Like this is very intentional of like just focused on doing something to serve myself. Um, so yeah, I think that that's like a super important thing in our journey to understanding, you know, journey to self-growth and building habits that serve us. Um, but also just an important piece with the Enneagram specifically. Well, that's like most of the questions that I had prepared. Uh, we have kind of like gone through um, all of the, all of them. So, I mean, is there anything else that you kind of want to leave us with any, you know, important notes that you feel like, oh my gosh, like we absolutely have to talk about this, um, in relationship to the Enneagram and how it can help us. Gosh. Um, honestly, really just spend time researching your type, like researching, researching it, figuring it out. Like I know, like it can be, if you're not just like naturally excited about it, which most people aren't, (laughs) we're, we're kind of weird in that. Yeah. Um, 
but most people aren't super excited about researching it and taking the time to do that because also too, like if once you start researching and really realizing what your type is and like when you start really diving into it and it starts actually hitting home, it's going to be very uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like we've very much embraced our types, but seeing those like negative things about it and really realizing what those negative pieces of our types are, that feels really uncomfortable at first. Yep. Um, so just make sure like sit in the fact that it is uncomfortable for a little bit and like be okay with that. Um, but also recognize like that that's not where you have to stay. Yeah. Like those negative pieces of your type, like you don't have to sit in that. Like you can like, mm-hmm. it's not your identity. It's not who you are. Um, you are an entire person. This is just a piece of who you are. I love that so much. Yeah. There, and there are so many amazing resources out there. Um, like I have an app on my phone. It's called the idiot app. That's what I've been like looking at as we've been talking and like pulling things up because, um, it's like $2 or something like that. Um, but it's like a really, really cool app and a really cool resource resource (laughs) to just like look and like learn something, um, about someone else or to learn about my type. Um, yes, big, big fan. Um, and then, I mean, we've mentioned a couple of tests, the Enneagram Institute, that's a great place to start, you know, the road back to you. There's just so many amazing resources and podcasts out there. Once you, once you figure out your type, um, these are the ones I've come across recently, Beth McCord, um, she's uh, known as your Enneagram coach. Mm. She actually has individual books on each of the types. So once you're like, I have the two and the nine. So like now we're good, (laughs) but like, going through, like, if you go through, like she has, it's basically 21 days to realizing like how this fits into your faith too. Ooh, I love that. How to use your type to become, um, to become closer to God. Like, cause a lot of people there, there's a lot of stigma around it, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, oh, this is a personality test. How is it like actually, you know, Christian based? Yeah. It's not created necessarily for that. But I mean, you can kind of use any framework to, you know, apply it to religion and faith. Yeah. Yeah, Everything's kind of interchangeable in a sense. Um, and basically it teaches you how to really pursue your God-given potential. I love that. I will. I haven't done that. So I'm going to check that out for sure. It's really Um, good. I love it. That's awesome. Um, well, I think that that is going to conclude our episode for today. So I, have loved this conversation. I could, we, Anna Grace and I could literally nerd out talking about the Enneagram for hours. Um, and we, we do have done plenty of we, times. We do. Yes. <laughs> um, but this has been so much fun. Um, and I am so excited for hopefully, hopefully what I hope people have taken away from today is just the importance of just like really understanding, um, that, you know, the Enneagram is not a face value assessment, um, and to go out there and figure out what, number they are, um, and what that means for their life. So, um, I hope that that's what we've brought to y'all today. Um, it's been a really, it's a really, really fun growth journey. Um, and it will really help you to fearlessly pursue your dreams, build habits that serve you and chase after becoming the woman that the Lord called you to be. So there's so much awesomeness. Um, and it has just been so much fun talking with you, Anna Grace. So thank you so much for being here. Um, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, girlfriend. If you love this episode and it's really resonating with you, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with one of your soul sisters or share it on your social media and tag me so I can reach out and thank you for helping to get the message out. I am the most dang thankful that we are on this journey together to become really freaking proud of the women that we are and the women that we are becoming. We are doing the dang thing and I can't wait to see where it takes us.